amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. How incredible it is that uh, the things that God does just blow my mind, and he does it through people. He does it through people, the hands and feet of the people, the kehala. So you all are the kehala. Some of you might have heard me earlier talk about the difference between the ekklesia uh, and the kehala. Uh, one being, ekklesia being a Greek word which doesn't have any uh, religious connotation, uh, but in like the uh, King James and different places, the ecclesia was the name they gave for the church, when in reality it's the kehala. The kehala was a religious gathering, a small group, an organization um, gathered together for the purposes of worship and learning, uh, usually in a small gathering. Now this is by no means a small, a small place, but you know, in a home, uh, usually secreted away because it wasn't, it wasn't safe for them uh, initially. But so we've been studying 1 Corinthians, and we're going to study 2 Corinthians after this, and then we'll go into Thessalonians after that. Uh, for the longest time, I couldn't say Thessalonians. I said Thessalonians. I masked it. I still do. I probably will. Uh, so remember, uh, I, I named off a bunch of questions last week, and I said, we're going to answer these questions. I don't know how many we'll get to tonight, but I think it'd be fun. From chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, what is the foolishness of human wisdom? We talked, I kind of buzzsaw through it last week and, and the time before, uh, so I, I want to I read just a couple of things. For the message about the execution stake is nonsense to those in the process of being destroyed, but to us in the process of being saved, it is the power of God. You said just a minute ago about your friends from Ireland or England, Ireland, that they, they, weren't, they, they don't believe the Scripture is, is of God. And to those people, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot you can do. There's, there's just you, you, you have to pray for them and realize that some will believe and some won't. Are there deer out there? Do I need to get my bow? Oh, it's here? The storm. I was going to say, I don't think I have my bow, but I know somebody that has one. Uh, so, but, but remember, the, the, the execution stake uh, is nonsense to those in the process of being destroyed. At 18. For the message about the execution stake, in other words, the crucifixion, because that's what they called it, um, is nonsense to those in the process of being destroyed. Wow. Doesn't get any clearer, right? That's kind of clear. We're, we're dealing with, if you deny the resurrection, or if you deny that, that Yeshua was uh, tried wrongly, unjustly, he was crucified after being tortured wrongly. He was murdered, essentially, by the state, and, and a small let me be clear, it was not all of the Jews. Everybody says, oh, the Jews killed Jesus. We're, we're going to, you know, never like the Jews again. Well, the, the truth of the matter is, is that's not really what happened. 
Uh, and we'll talk about that sometime. Maybe I'll do a Christmas message and explain what, what the real deal is. But anyway, but the message about that is nonsense to those in the process of being destroyed because they're going to be destroyed. They're destroying themselves in their unbelief. But to us in the process of being saved, the process of being saved. Not, I'm not referring to that, pray this little five-second prayer and put your hand up or text this number and you're saved now. I'm not referring to that. The process of coming to Yeshua, the process of, of embracing a life as a Christ follower of the way. In that process, we're being saved. Uh, and it is the power of God that saves us. 19, indeed the Tanakh says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. So, remember the question here is, what is the foolishness of human wisdom? Well, there's one thing. Uh, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. So many people believe themselves to be learned. Uh, a lot of degrees and a lot of, lot of stuff after the name, a lot of letters after their name. And they think they're all that. They say, hey, I've got this. And then, and then they don't tend to move past that, that uh, acquisition of pedigree. And that's a problem. That's a problem because here I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. Which is not to say stay stupid, fella, lady. You'll do better. It is to say that acquire all this, learn hunger and thirst after righteousness, but realize what we're hungering and thirsting after is, as in verse 19, the process of being saved. It is the power of God. Verse 20, where does that leave the philosopher, the Torah teacher, or any of today's thinkers? Notice he uses the word thinkers. Hasn't God made this world's wisdom look pretty foolish? So it's foolishness, the foolishness of human wisdom, it, everything that we think is so smart, you know, we think we're so evolved, we're so above, we're so organized, we're so standard operating procedure. We've created a repeatable program for this and that, like McDonald's. You know, one of the reasons why McDonald's was so successful, which they're not as much anymore, they're struggling actually now as a company. Um, but before, they, because you go to McDonald's in Newark, you go to one in Bear, you go to one in Wilmington, you go to one in Middletown, you go to one in Lewis, you're going to find pretty much the same thing. There'll be slight variances in service, and hopefully the cleanliness will be the same, where Chick-fil-A is one of the fastest growing fast food organizations in the world, where they're winning is they don't hire just everybody. They hire special people first, and then they train them for weeks on end to be great, to be great. So Chick-fil-A is killing among the, uh, the fast food. Yeah, they're killing everybody else. But I will, he doesn't, the, the Tanakh doesn't say um, the wisdom of the wise will be frustrated and the intelligence of the intelligent will be frustrated. It says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and frustrate the intelligence of the intelligent. Then 20, where does that leave the philosopher, the Torah teacher, and, or any of today's thinkers? Hasn't God made this world's wisdom look pretty foolish? For God's wisdom ordained that the world, using its own wisdom, would not come to know him. Think about what that says. 
For God's wisdom ordained that the world, using if you use your own wisdom, would not come to know him. In other words, if you rely on the stuff you acquire, the, the educational pedigree that you acquire, the, the generally ac accepted, the worldly wisdom, you're not going to get it. We'll talk about why. why what, what's the difference here in wisdom? Um, therefore, God decided to use the nonsense of what we proclaim as his means of saving those who come to trust it. In, in Hebrew, they use the word, the, the equivalent word of nonsense here on purpose. Because nonsense, if uh, you're a physician, so if you used a lot of the words that you use in your normal practice and you talk about we need to do this, blah, 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 and you say these words, I, I would be like, that's nonsense words, she's making that up. You know, but, but you know what it is, right? Because you study for 15 years and and you've had a practice for all these years, and you know those things. That's a language and a practice that you, you know. It makes a lot of sense to you. It's wisdom to you, but to me, it's nonsense. The world looks at what we say about Christ and coming to Christ and following God and hungering and thirsting after righteousness, and some of the decisions that we would make in obedience to God, some of the crazy stuff that he tells us to do, and they go, you're a fool. Nobody does this. You people are out of your mind. The end of that is of what we, the nonsense, therefore God decided to use the nonsense of what we proclaim as his means of saving those who come to trust in it. You have to, for it to make any sense, you have to trust it. Now, let me say this. This is not Nancy Pelosi's, you have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. This is not the same thing at all. Number 22, precisely because Jews ask for signs and Greeks try to find wisdom. We go on proclaiming a Messiah executed on a stake as a criminal. To Jews, this is an obstacle, and to Greeks, it is nonsense. Now, what this is not saying, what this is not saying is, is that the Greeks are, are, are they're stupid, that they've wasted their time acquiring all this knowledge, and that the Greeks are dumb because... Well, we need a sign. First of all, they got tons of signs. The, the Jews got sign after sign after sign after sign. In fairness, I would have missed it too. I almost guarantee I would have missed it. I wouldn't have been on the bandwagon. I'd be like, oh, he doesn't look like no Messiah I read about. He doesn't look like the Messiah that I expected. Where is his army? These 12 dudes? I would have. I, I probably would not have been on the bandwagon. He's asking us to do what? That's, That's not, not what, what the Messiah was supposed to do. He's supposed to come and conquer and get us out of this real hellhole that we're living in. Because that's what it was in, in, in the Hebrew translation. It, it refers to it as a, a hell on earth they're living. It's a hole. We're struggling. We can't get out of this hell that we're in. The equivalency of their perception of hell. You got to remember, it was a different time. They weren't thinking... All they knew is, is they were under such terrible oppression. So the Messiah comes along. If I'm there, honestly, I can't honestly say, yeah, I would be, I would be, sign me up. I'm on your team, Jesus. Of course, at that point, he would go, who's talking about Jesus? I don't know who you're talking about. Anyway, for God's nonsense is wiser than humanity's wisdom. And God's weakness is stronger than humanity's strength. It's, it's a, it's, it's a conundrum, isn't it? 
nonsense, God's nonsense is wiser than humanity. The best we can offer from humanity is just silliness to God. What you read, the passage that you read talking about heaven, and talking, talk, you know, what you read in that affected you so much and so powerfully. That's the difference. We can all read books and be moved by the book. I love to read. Lord knows I love to read. Uh, my daughter and I, we always talk about different books and, you know, just different things that inspire us, that lift us. Well, here's the difference. The difference is the Bible can change your life. If you allow it, the scriptures and what they mean will transform who and what you are. That's why I say those people in Ireland, you, you know, let, you know, feed them the scriptures and, and pray for them. If they open their heart, they open their mind, the scales come off their eyes, boom, you know, just kind of like with what happened to Paul. Um, but God's weakness, is God weak in any point in time? No, but uh, Shaul or Paul here uses that term weakness to create a, a, a really a, a chasm. Weakness and strength. Nonsense and intelligence. And everything as it refers to the world is silliness. It's weakness. It's, and we have to accept that that's really where we are. To know, uh, we have to know. I, I want to use the, the saying, we better know our place. But it, it sounds like a pejorative, but in reality, we do have to know our place before God. I hear preachers uh, command God to do this or that. And, and then I've asked them, what are you doing commanding God to do things? Well, it says in the scripture that we're supposed to, I said, man, you need to show me where it says to command God, to order God to do anything. Do you, are you aware of who and what you're praying to? Come on. But God chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. God chose what the world considers weak in order to shame the strong. Those both sides again, the chasm in between, the opposites, the conundrum, the, the thing that says, wait, strength is weakness and weakness is strength? I'm going to skip ahead in one sense, but I'll come back to it. It's kind of like the struggle of love. The church being an outcropping, uh, an outpost for love in the wilderness of sorrow and hate and lack and loneliness and sin and struggle. We're supposed to be the kehalah. is supposed to be that outpost where we come in together and we say, man, I'm struggling. Or you notice somebody else struggling and say, hey, look, you look like you're struggling with me. How can I help you? What can I do to help you? Shame the strong. Shaul or Paul uses very powerful. Remember, this is a letter to this church. Shame the strong. Shame is such a protected thing in this society, isn't it? Shame, we don't want anybody to be shamed. You know, the anti-bullying campaigns. I'm not for bullying. I'm not advocating bullying. I hate it. I was a skinny little kid. Really, all the way up until, I guess, about 10th grade. And I was still a beanpole, but I grew. I was tall. Uh, I'm not for bullying in any form or fashion. I'm not, I don't like it. I, I, it's completely wrong. I'm not for shaming. That's a big thing nowadays, shaming people. There's food shaming. There's fitness shaming. There's clothing shaming. There's all these different shaming that people do. 
Um, the, the, uh, the, um, not, uh, what is it? Uh, the Amish community has a shaming process that it does. And it's there for a reason. They've done it for many, 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 many years. And it's, it's done differently than what we understand shaming to be. But sh the shame here, the shaming of the strong, is an exposition. It's a bright light shined on the people who think they're strong to expose their utter weakness. And we'll find out more. I guess we need to understand the definition of wisdom. What is the definition of wisdom? What does Paul say about wisdom in chapter 2? This is something I wrote while studying this. It is fair to say there are volumes written attempting to define the word wisdom. I have a definition that I've worked on for many years, and it goes like this. Wisdom is knowledge judiciously applied to real life. I'll say that again. Wisdom is knowledge judiciously applied to real life. Have you known... How many in here have known really smart people that couldn't tie their own shoes? Yeah, really smart people that uh, they, they just didn't have any common sense. They run out of gas because they hate to get gas. It's just, ugh, I hate to get gas, right? Yeah, yeah, I just, ugh, getting gas, I don't want to. Well, look, you cannot want to all you want. Just like the lion, you cannot want the lion to eat you. The lion will eat you. The rattlesnake will bite you. And you know what? Sometimes the bad stuff happens. The wisdom is knowledge, which can also be, honestly, and I almost said this in the same, common sense. It could be common sense. Wisdom is knowledge judiciously applied to real life. The judiciously there, what do I mean by that? What I mean there is we, can all, we all have a lot of information. But is it useful? And in some cases, uh, I'll give you an example. We're driving home tonight. Uh, drive, 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 drive. All of a sudden, the car shuts down. It just shuts down. I hope this doesn't happen. But the car shuts off. The truck shuts off. It won't because it's a Ford F-150. But if perhaps it was a Dodge, it just might. So maybe a Chevy. I don't know. So let's, except if there's an EMP. That's right. It, unless I have a Faraday cage, which I don't. So here's the thing. So it stops, and then I start spouting off a bunch of the theological stuff. You know, I start talking about demons and all that stuff, and, and I just talk about, you know, I just start rattling off things that you do in your third or fourth year of, of uh, you know, P, uh, doctorate in theology studies. I just start talking, 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 talking. Well, what it really needs is maybe a plug has come loose, or or uh, some, some electric, something just needs to be plugged in, something simple. But I'm showing you how smart I am by rattling off all these things, and I talk about some Hebrew stuff and all that. Totally not applicable. But I can sit there in the, in the truck and talk all that smack. And I can get looked at with a blank stare going, what does that have to do with any of this? Wisdom judiciously applied is that thing that matters in this moment to this thing, this situation, this struggle. I'll liken it to, a lot of times people will have these platitudes. Church folks love platitudes. We do. We love, it's bumper stick theology, bumper sticker theology. We love these things. And so someone will, will make the mistake of saying, how you doing? How you doing? And then they don't walk away and they start telling us how they're doing, right? That's just the big thing that we do in churches. We do it everywhere, right? How you doing? How you doing? 
We answer, how you doing, with how you doing, and we just keep walking. Please, God, don't make them stop. Don't let them stop. Don't let them tell me. So the person makes a mistake and says, well, actually, I'm glad you asked. I'm blah, 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 and they tell you all these things. And then you rattle off some bumper sticker theology that, you know, believe for better, believe for more, blah, 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 whatever else you say. And off you go. Does that help the person? No. It's not wisdom judiciously applied. It doesn't fit their situation. To real life. Now, applied and real life are really important words in this. Because you can know a lot, but if you don't apply it, you can know a lot of really pertinent things, applicable things, but if you don't apply them, you have to do the application. Just like the process of, of becoming saved. If we don't do the things, if we don't live the life, we won't experience the blessing of salvation. We just won't do it. Even if it were the, the, the case, most Western evangelicals, you know, the, the, the momentary prayer, you pray it once, even if you don't understand it, it doesn't matter. Uh, you pray it, you lift your finger. You don't even have to necessarily pray it. You just silent to yourself and never say anything to anybody. Even if we're going to give that all the credit that it's been given, even if you do that, but you do nothing different in your life, are you going to experience, if you apply nothing that you learn in that process, is anything in your life going to change? No. If you're a smoker or a drinker and you spend years studying you know, the effects of carcinogens and cigarettes or alcohol in the human body and the human mind, but you never stop. You never stop. If in your practice, somebody comes into your practice and they have a little kid and they have this struggle, this, this health problem, and you tell the parents, listen, based on my years of experience and practice in medicine, this is what your child needs. Great, I agree with you 100%. But if they never do it, the medicine bottle on the counter doesn't change anybody's health. If you never stop smoking, you never stop drinking, you never stop doing whatever it is you're doing, it's not going to change anything in your life. If you went to the Cancer Treatment Centers of America and you bobbed your head every time they said, well, this is what we'd like to do with you, that'd be great, that'd be great. Mm, I'm, I'm in agreement, absolutely, I'm in agreement with you. I'm in, I'm in agreement, I'm in partnership with you. And then you never came back and never did those things. Would you be sitting here today? Only by God's miraculous touch. And he uses those things that we do. The judicial application of wisdom in real life. You all have heard me say countless times, I don't like going to egghead conventions or pastor's conventions. I don't like going unless I'm the speaker. It's not because I think I'm any smarter or any better than these people. I just can't stand all the endless blah, 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 wine and wine and wine. I just can't take it. It's too much. I can't do it. I just want to strangle people. It's wrong, I know. I'll be praying for them as a, Lord bless you, you know? So you have to, you have to, wisdom is knowledge judiciously applied to real life. You have to apply this stuff to real life. The real world, the place where we're living. And Paul wrote this letter, Shaul wrote this letter to people living real life. We make the, the original church, the original Kehillah, we make it some perfect thing that it wasn't. It's real life. They were struggling in real life. I'm confident that 
that brief definition really sums up the pages of perhaps more eloquent definitions below. And below is, I'm going to tell you a little bit, really smart people have really much deeper, uh, much more eloquent explanations. Ultimately, it's my firm belief that if you don't apply what you've come to know over the years of life experiences and study, you've just got a full hard drive and no life-applicable wisdom at all. And to use a computer analogy, you know, your memory is full. You can't do anything else on your computer when your memory is full. I learn that all the time. My, anybody that's called me knows my voicemail's almost always full. It's not that I don't ever clear it out. I do. It just fills up again. It's magic. My email, same thing. It's not that I don't clear, look through it. I do, but I just never get very far. I'm bad at the email and the voicemail. At some point, I'm going to get an assistant, and that's all their job is going to be, is to listen to voicemails, write them down, hand them to me, and then remind me 27 times about the voicemail, open my email and all that. Worldly wisdom, wisdom in the natural, seems to be, now you all know what that term is, in the natural. It's a euphemism, but uh, really it's the natural, the natural world, the, the, the secular world, the stuff we see and we say science created this, it's... We can touch it. We can touch it. It's the, the natural world, but the, but the secular world, the non-Yeshua world. Worldly wisdom, wisdom in the natural, seems to be all about the application of accumulated information or data. Information about things that seem always to need to make sense in the natural earthbound world. The Apostle Paul looks at wisdom quite differently. Worldly wisdom seems to require an air of eloquence to be considered true wisdom, right? If somebody, listen, I talked to you about Stella and Richard, those old black folks, no education just about, and they would say stuff, and you'd be like, I need to write this down. And if you said to them, can I have a piece of paper and a pen? They don't have them because they can't read or write. And yet they just dispensed upon you this wisdom that somebody needs to write down and pass on. But some of that stuff wouldn't make sense in the earthbound world. The Apostle Paul looks at wisdom quite differently. Worldly wisdom seems to require an air of eloquence, I just read that, to be considered true wisdom. Uh, this, no, I didn't just read that. I, I put it twice with an asterisk, which I missed the asterisk. True wisdom. True wisdom. We hear this a lot in the left versus right, conservative versus liberal. They are vigorous in the defense of what they believe until you present a pile of facts that are irrefutable, and then, then what happens? You become a racist, a homophobe, a bigot, whatever. That's how you know you've gotten to them. They've got no more argument. The, the game is over. They're going to start calling you names. True wisdom, the wisdom that stands up to the test. Yeshua the Messiah and the acceptance of the cross is at the root of true wisdom. This is a wisdom that demands maturity of mind, not necessarily, and I was hoping Emily or McAllen or somebody would be here because I wanted to point at them and say, it's not necessarily uh, the number of years you've been alive. It's, it's not necessarily the, the person that's the oldest. It's not necessarily, and, and really, to be honest, most often the accumulated age isn't necessarily parallel with true wisdom. The maturity of mind. It isn't the wisdom common in this world or in our leaders because they are in their infinite ignorance in the process of dying into dust. This is a secret wisdom that comes directly from God through the Ruach HaKodesh, 
Reveal to us the Holy Spirit. Reveal to us. I'm not speaking in tongues. Reveal to us from God. We are distinctly, or I'm sorry, directly named and called to understanding of this great knowledge, the true and heavenly wisdom. We confound human wisdom when we speak heavenly spiritual wisdom that cannot be explained in the natural. We may face ridicule from people of this world. However, we must forge ahead because worldly people without God see our wisdom as utter and complete nonsense. No offense, but I just paraphrased Scripture. I just paraphrased Shaul or Paul. If we seek hard after the mind of Christ, we will be without natural peer, and we will have the counsel of the wise one, Yeshua, the Ruach HaKodesh. In the beginning stages of our journey of faith, we cannot understand these things of God as we do if we follow hard after him. We must hunger and thirst after righteousness, the very things of God, in order to better understand his wisdom, regardless of the world's claims or even the science of human understanding. How many times have you heard of a claim, someone in the religious circles saying, this happened to me, or I saw this happen, and someone from the secular world says, impossible. That's impossible. Or they try to explain it in a scientific way. When Moshe leading across what happened to the waters, what they do? They parted. That's crazy. Walls of water on either side. What? So then all of a sudden they come along, well, actually what happened was, it wasn't a miracle of God. It was actually a tide convergence that happens every 1,100 years approximately. Come on, dude. Get over yourself. Go eat a sandwich with meat on it. That was rude. I don't know who I'm going to blame for that because I wrote that in here. But Anyway, we must hunger and thirst after righteousness, the very things of God, in order to better understand his wisdom, regardless of the world's claims or even the science of human understanding. Sometimes we're going to go against science. Sometimes we're going to say things and do things and by do things, I mean things that directly, directly oppose anything relating to common sense. Parents love that when their kids come to them and they're sold out for Christ and say, I want to go to India to help the, the Indian people who are dying of diseases that we've never faced and we have no inoculation for. I want to go help the Ebola people in West Africa because God called me. We love that, right? When they do that. But actually, we should be cheering and saying, awesome, you listen to God. God will handle it. I hate it. I hate the thought of, uh, you know, my kids going to some war-torn or forlorn place because God called them here. I'm praying, please, God, call them to Middletown, Delaware to serve here. You know, I don't like that. But if, if they hear from God and they say, God's moved my heart, he's directed me this way i got to do what he tells me to do. Yahoo! But the science of human understanding, the, the human brain, what makes common sense, we look at that and we say, you're an idiot. But the real idiot here is the one who says, you're an idiot. The test of our faith ultimately comes in our work. You're going to hate this. What is important enough for us to truly expend ourselves for is it the work of God or the work of the world? The spiritual seeks to fulfill God's will, his mission, his work. 
no matter what that looks like. Sometimes God's work is gritty, and frankly, to the world, it is often utter nonsense. They think God's work is nonsense because their eyes are closed to the wisdom of the Lord. Ours must always be open and receptive, but most importantly, obedient to the wisdom of God. So what does wisdom mean spiritually and in the natural, as we say? You know, there's a lot of places you can look up. We're, we're almost out of time, but um, there's a lot of places where you can look up where the Apostle Paul really defines it. And then there's, uh, there's all kinds of biblical dictionaries you can get online for free. Um, but I just want to give uh, wisdom, uh, one of them, wisdom, a noun, the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, the quality of being wise, synonyms, sagacity, intelligence, sense, common sense, shrewdness, astuteness, smartness, judiciousness, judgment, prudence, circumspection, there's a bunch more. The antonyms are folly, stupidity, the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Some question the wisdom of building the dam so close to an active volcano would be a, a good word usage there. Um, the body of knowledge and principles that develops within a specified society or period. We can agree that societies start off stupid. In fairness, we, we generally end up stupider, but we sound smarter because we learn a bunch of stuff and we say, this is truth, this is real. But the crazy thing is, is God and his wisdom has never changed. He didn't improve. He didn't get smarter over time. It's like parents, right? By the time your, your kids, like when your kids, when they're little, they think mom and dad hung the moon, right? You're the smartest people on the planet. You're the hero of all heroes. But then when they get to a certain age, I don't know, teenagers, you're the dumbest thing ever. How did I have such stupid parents? But then miraculously, once they get to be about 21, 22, 23 years old, they, 35, they start getting smarter. The parents start getting smarter. And the kids go, well, you've really learned a lot. You know? Anyway. Dictionaries. Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology. I love this. Wisdom. The paradigms of Israel's religion, law, prophecy, and wisdom were not exclusive to Israel, but were shared by other ancient Near Eastern cultures. So it was not the form of Israel's religion that made it distinctive, but its content. Wisdom was a common way of thinking in this part of the ancient world. Briefly, it was a way of viewing and approaching life, which involved instructing the young in proper conduct and morality and answering the philosophical questions about life's meaning. Let me just ask you, to, let me say that again really quick. Wisdom was a common way of thinking in this part of the ancient world. Briefly, it was a way of viewing and approaching life, which involved instructing the young in proper conduct and morality and answering the philosophical questions about life's meaning. How did the parents get so smart all of a sudden when the kid turns 35? How does that happen? How did the parents get smart? Kids have, can't figure it out. They realize I can't figure this out by myself. The, the kids have been beaten up a lot. But the kids receive wisdom. But how do, they, how do the parents acquire wisdom? Through life experience, through through going through those same bumps and bruises. And you know what? 
that's a critically important thing. And I want to say about that, we fall down and we get up. We learn after a few times of falling down, hey, you know what I probably shouldn't do? I shouldn't do that thing that made me fall before. I should stop doing that. I should put away with that foolishness, that folly. I should do something different. Then that life experience becomes their paradigm. It becomes the way they operate. Remember what I said? People in my counseling practice, you know, they come to me and I say, well, what is the problem? They tell me. I say, what have you done to fix the problem? And they say, oh, I've done everything. Okay, that's awesome. I have this pad of paper right here and this pen's got lots of ink. Long piece of paper, it's a legal pad. Write down everything you've done. They write down one thing and then they write down another thing that's actually restated version of the first thing. And they go, oh, yeah. I go, that's everything? What, what is that? That's two things. That's really one thing, but restated to make it sound like it's another thing. You didn't study for this test, did you? Well, I've done everything. No, you've done one thing. But it's when we learn, it's when we think, hey, you know, I don't like how that happened just then. I don't like that bump or bruise. I don't like that cut. I don't like that injury. I don't like that hurt heart. I'm going to do things differently. That's how the parents suddenly become so smart. You know most overnight sensations take about 10 years? It's true. Overnight sensations take about 10 years. It takes about 10 years on average for an overnight sensation to become an overnight sensation. It's the same way with parents. It's the same way, but you know what? Uh, parents are not magical people. Parents make mistakes. Uh, we're going to uh, Georgia and we're going to spend time with, really, two of the most incredible families I think I've ever met in my life. I, I just, I, I want you all to meet them, to be the benefit, the benefit.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.